Coming up in this episode. I think 2017 is going to be another difficult year from a terrorism perspective. Dr. Tricia Bacon, a former State Department counterterrorism official, sets the scene for the terrorism picture for 2017. I mean, I don't think a lot of the conditions have changed that led to the difficulties we've had in, in 2016. Um, and, and in the things that have changed, um, for example, the weakening of the Islamic State's um, territorial control don't affect its ability to execute and inspire terrorism. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Target USA is brought to you by TrueCar. When you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure you're getting real pricing on actual inventory. Unfortunately, a lot of times, that's not the case. People configure cars online only later to find out they're not available. With TrueCar, you get real pricing on actual inventory. This is not pricing offered by TrueCar, but pricing from an actual dealer. And not just any dealer but a TrueCar certified dealer. This is a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency and offering you a competitive marketplace. Using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. Next, TrueCar will show you what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. Now you know what a fair price is so you can feel confident. More than 3 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar certified dealer network. More than 13,000 TrueCar dealers are located nationwide. And TrueCar users save an average of $3,000 off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. You'll have to pardon me this week because my voice is AWOL. I am recovering from a cold. But to get right to the matter today, 2017 is here. There have been two major terror attacks in the last three weeks. There was the Berlin Christmas market attack that left many dead and wounded. There was also the Turkish nightclub attack that left many dead and wounded. In both situations, the perpetrators did not kill themselves or were not killed in the attack, suggesting a new scheme or new tactics may be on the way for 2017. On this program, we talk with Tricia Bacon, PhD, assistant professor at American University's School of Public Affairs here in Washington. Prior to being employed there, she worked as a counterterrorism official for more than 10 years at the State Department. Thanks for joining us. And first question, 2017, what does it bring as far as terrorism goes? I think 2017 is going to be another difficult year from a terrorism perspective. I mean, I don't think a lot of the conditions have changed that led to the difficulties we've had in, in 2016. 
Um, and, and then the things that have changed, um, for example, the weakening of the Islamic State's um, territorial control don't affect its ability to execute and inspire terrorism. So unfortunately, from that perspective, continue to be concerned that we'll see attacks inspired by the Islamic State, particularly in Western Europe, but also probably in the United States. It's transitioned from a message of we have won to this is a time of resistance. It's, it's not as compelling of a message, but the message being that Islam and Muslims are under attack yeah. used to be a, a powerful message, yeah. uh, clearly, as we've seen here in the United States as well as in Europe. And then Al-Qaeda is um, using this window of where everyone is focused on the Islamic State to try and recover and rebuild. So I think there's some worrying signs from South Asia as well. So I think we're entering into another very difficult year. And then I think we add the additional dimension of the domestic environment in the United States, where we have a very emboldened and confident far-right movement, um, which will has the potential to create a cycle of violence. Um, You know, violence against minorities, violence against Muslims, um, and then the Islamic State and other jihadist organizations seek to exploit that to say, look, this says our message is true. It's, you know, the United States is at war with Islam. The, there's sort of a self-perpetuating cycle that we're in danger of entering, I think, in 2017. So let me ask you really quickly then, as, you, as it relates to that, about tactics that um, you think are, are most likely to, to happen. We've seen, you know, there's been a significant number of calls to action uh, within the last few months from the Islamic State group and the Al-Qaeda organization and who knows what other terror organizations and they have shifted from come join us to do yeah. what you can. Um, does that continue? Oh, absolutely. I, I think that absolutely continues. I think especially as it gets harder to get to both of those organizations when they're under military pressure, that will be a part of their message and the do what you can, where you can, however crude that may be, if that's with a truck you know, like we've seen in, in Nice and, and apparently possibly also Berlin, if that's with a gun, you know, a lone gun shooting, do whatever, you, resist in whatever way you can. Um, I think that's probably one of the major messages that we'll see to inspire people. But I think the Islamic State will also try attacks that, that will be more centrally planned by the organization like we saw in, um, in Europe over this past year. I think we'll see more of those, too. The Al-Qaeda organization... It doesn't have as many, it seems, as resources as the Islamic State organization has yeah. and doesn't seem to be as sophisticated when it comes to uh, perhaps a cyber component. But um, it does seem to be effective enough to do what it needs to do periodically through inspiration. Um, yeah. Does that organization, you know, as it continues on the, under the leadership of Ayman al-Zawari, uh, in your view, uh, be looking to change anything, uh, to take advantage of anything? Because the Islamic State organization is beginning to fade a bit and may retreat to the confines of, of the Internet. Yeah, I think that's always been the contrast between the two organizations, which is Al-Qaeda has been much more geared towards the long game. It's been a more patient organization. Um is going to have to continue to adapt. Of course, it's lost so many of the original core members. It lost bin Laden. Um, Zawahiri is clearly has to remain very vigilant about his security and it has a lot of challenges. I think an Al-Qaeda under Zawahiri is not necessarily quite as 
single-mindedly dedicated to large-scale attacks in the United States, as al-Qaeda under bin Laden was, that will prioritize the United States and will prioritize um, trying to diminish the United States' influence in the Middle East. So I think that that still will remain a threat in terms of our, our, our broader national security posture, even if we're not looking at 9-11 scale kind, yeah. you know, kinds of attacks yeah. in, in, in the future. We've heard time and time again, we can't fight our way out of this situation in Syria with the Islamic State group and terrorism. But at the same time, thinking our way out of it is not easy as, as well. What, what, are, what are some of the main, or at least one of the main issues there involved? One of the ideas that we have to grapple with is how we conduct counterterrorism in this environment. In the case of al-Qaeda, at least al-Qaeda is not indigenous to Afghanistan and Pakistan, right? So it's a foreign organization that's exploiting the instability, whereas the Islamic State is coming from within Syria and Iraq, which suggests much more of a need to have policies about how to improve the position of Sunnis and to avoid the cycles that have led to the, the, the repeated resurgence of the Islamic State in al-Nusra and some of those Sunni extremist organizations. And it's very clear that the recipe can't be relying on Shia militancy to combat Sunni militancy. Um, so there's, there's a real need for there to be a building of Sunni confidence in the institutions in Iraq and um, and in Syria to to drive a wedge between the Islamic State and the Sunnis in Syria so that the Islamic State can't position itself as the defender of, of Sunni Muslims in, in Syria against Assad and against Russia and against the United States. That's a very compl complex and complicated uh, move there. Um, yeah. Does the relationship that the U.S. has with, has with its allies uh, there, and uh, does, it, does it have the tools... Are the people that are supposed to be working on this, do they know how to do that, do you think? I have, con I think that the security establishment, I mean, it's not, it's not dissimilar to what we had to do in Iraq with the awakening, except that it's an endeavor that we don't have nearly the same kind of presence right. to undertake at right. this point. So I think that's the, and then the additional component to it is there's a lot of risk hesitation um, understandably, because in trying to drive a wedge between Sunnis and the Islamic State and al-Nusra, you risk actually building up people who will then defect those organizations. But I don't see that there's a way to, there, I don't see that there's a way to defeat the Islamic State by relying on Kurds and Shia. You can take territory from it, but you can't really defeat it because you're not depriving it of its lifeline of recruits, manpower, money, support. Um, so I think it's it's difficult. I don't I don't know in the next administration who will be responsible for these kinds of um, decisions. So I'm not sure if we will have the the um, the sophistication needed to execute that kind of policy, which I don't disagree. I agree completely is a very difficult venture and a very, very complex venture. Um, but I don't think we can rely on Assad and the Russians to bomb our way through this. Um, and we can't, I don't think airstrikes will be enough either because of the scope of the Islamic State and because it is an indigenous phenomenon. And it's interesting you mentioned that, especially as it relates to the Russians uh, in Syria, that, um, they, you know, you talked about the violence a few minutes ago. Um, you know, 
that whole scenario in Syria may be one of those factors, and the assassination of Russia's ambassador, Andrei Karlov, in, in Turkey, in Ankara, seems to me that may be a, uh, an indicator of that cycle of violence, because the, the killer said, this is for Aleppo, this is for Syria, and yeah. if, if, if the U.S. doesn't get it right, it, too, uh, elements of the U.S. government may be uh, identified in the same vein, and that, too, to me, seems to suggest a very difficult scenario as well that those dealing with this are going to have to consider, no? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the what's so difficult and serious that there's no clear allies. It's not Assad and the Russians and Hezbollah that we can we can work closely with. Um, you know, the Kurds, yes, we can, but then it comes with the complications of Turkey. Like every policy has a dramatic trade-off. Every ally has a has a very serious drawback. Some more serious than others, but I don't. I think the the Russians and Assad's heavy-handedness has only fed into the Islamic State's narrative. Um, you know, the, the the gross human rights violations of the Sunni population by those two forces has really only improved the Islamic State's position, mm -hmm. um, which is one of the reasons why I don't think that there is an answer, a real answer to the Islamic State that doesn't include Sunnis in um, Iraq and Syria being yeah. turning against the organization. So now it's time to embarrass you a little bit. Um, your bio, who you are, where you came from, what you're doing. You oh. are you're actually Dr. Trisha Baker. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you said we should call you an assistant professor, but people might get, get that confused and not understand that you've actually put in a lot of work, a lot of years of study uh, from Stetson University in 2000 to... <laughs> The University of Florida in 2002 to Georgetown in 2013. And most germane to what we're doing right now is our conversation regarding terrorism or counterterrorism. You spent some time at the State Department uh, working on these issues. Would you tell us what you were doing, where you were working? I know you were working at the Bureau of Counterterrorism at, at one stop, but tell us what you were doing there and other places at the State Department. So I, I spent the beginning of my career in the Bureau of Diplomatic Security, um, in particular doing threat analysis in Africa and Southeast Asia um, to to protect U.S. Uh, interests there. And then I went to the Bureau of Counterterrorism and worked on designations of um, terrorist organizations. And then I spent most of my career in the Intelligence Bureau at the State Department, where I worked in the Counterterrorism Analysis Office. Um, I did, um, and I, I analyzed terrorist organizations in North Africa, East Africa for the first part of my career, and then in South Asia for the latter part of my career. So spent a lot of time doing the kind of analysis we're doing now, which is trying to understand terrorist organizations' intentions and capabilities, how they threaten U.S. national security or U.S. foreign policy. Um, so that's that's been my bread and butter for a while now. That's a part of our conversation with Dr. Tricia Bacon, an assistant professor at the American University School of Public Affairs here in Washington, D.C. We'll talk more with her soon. In the meantime, coming up in our next program, North Korea has threatened to launch an intercontinental ballistic missile, something the U.S. is very concerned about. And it's also continuing to work on its nuclear weapons. Do you believe that if that regime feels threatened, that they would use nuclear weapons. I think if the regime believes its survival is at stake, it certainly would use nuclear weapons. 
One of the world's foremost weapons experts, Dr. David Kay, joins us to talk about the possibilities. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. Okay, it's a brand new year, and Podcast One's got a whole bunch of brand new coming your way. We're talking about new shows from Layla Ali, The Forbes Network, NASCAR's Larry McReynolds, Real Housewife Kim Zolchak, amazing scripted series like Murder Made Me Famous, Tori Spelling and Dean McDermott, Richard Marks, Norman Lear, and many, many more. So get on board for 2017 and download the Podcast One app now. That way you can take us with you all year long. <laughs> Happy New Year from PodcastOne.com.